Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. In this episode, we're going to talk about the business side of dental hygiene. And I'm hoping that by listening to this episode, it will give you some insight on how to connect the dots between being a healthcare provider, seeing patients, and also being a dental hygienist who works in a business that needs to keep an eye on things like overhead and expenses and profits. This is a business where you are giving up your time in exchange for a commodity, for money, for dental benefits, for health insurance benefits and vacation time and pay time off. So it is a business model. And although most of your time spent in dental hygiene school, you haven't thought about the business side of dental hygiene. And my hope is that this episode will help kind of tie the knots together between being a healthcare provider and looking at how the business side of dental hygiene fits in your service to patients. The focus of this episode is for your perspective as a new practitioner, because when you're in school, you don't really have a focus on the actual business side of dentistry. So this is really an introductory to the business side and some considerations that you want to keep in mind as you head out into private practice or out into the field. And there's a lot. You have to remember, some people go to school and they actually master and major in practice management. And this is their job. They're either organizational leaders, they're practice managers, they're program planners, and these are the things that they do. And so you're learning just a little piece of it. And one of the things I'm intending to do is to just give you this broad understanding of the business of dental hygiene and consider how that impacts you and better prepare you so that you can go out into the field and at least have an understanding, basic understanding of what's going on. Now, before we get started, let's do a couple of definitions. Webster's defines diagnosis as the act or process of deciding the nature of a disease or a condition by performing an examination of the symptoms. And this is why we complete a full assessment at each appointment for our patients. This is to allow for an accurate amount of information to be gathered in order to do a proper diagnosis. And this is done and completed by the dentist. A dental hygiene diagnosis, which you will hear as defined as the identification of an individual's health behaviors, attitudes in their oral health care needs, for which a dental hygienist is educationally qualified and licensed to provide. This is why, while you've been enrolled in school, your treatment plan has been focused on your OHI plan, and that is your focus. Under your license, you are allowed to develop treatment plans around patients' behaviors and use all that you've learned, whether that's motivational interviewing or the behavior change model, in order to educate your patient to change their oral health and move in a positive direction. 
you want to help them change their behaviors and use all that you've learned to support that process. Our scope of practice allows specifically for this, so keep that in mind. Let's wrap these two things together when we're talking about diagnosis. The dental hygiene process of care provides us with the framework for individualized patient care. It also provides us with a means to identify the causative or influencing factors of a condition that we as dental hygienists can help reduce, eliminate, or even better, prevent. So there's five components of the dental hygiene process of care, right? You've learned this, the assessment, the diagnosis, the planning, the implementation, and the evaluation. I actually did an entire episode on the ADPIDE model and really broke down each component of the appointment sequence that helps determine the dental hygiene diagnosis, the dentist diagnosis, as well as the process and the evaluation to make modifications and changes for our patients as their presentation and needs change over time. So you may want to reevaluate that episode or listen to that episode if you haven't yet done so. That episode is episode number 62, ADPI, and it breaks down the entire component of the dental hygiene appointment sequence. So the dental hygienist, as far as the diagnosis process, they work through the process of care and they are tasked with evaluating the conditions of their patients oral health status. They can focus on a problem or a potential problem that's related to their patient's health and really focus on what oral hygiene aids or educational components can help influence changes in behavior to improve their oral health status. It's important for the hygienist to realize and recognize the conditions of chronic illnesses and how that relates to their dental diseases of their patients and how they present. The dentist diagnose dental disease in general, and they really rely on us to be a supportive component for that triangle of care between the dentist, the hygienist, and the patient. The dentist determines the causes and recommends the treatment that will remedy the condition upon reviewing the findings with you and the patient. It's this beautiful dance that all three of you will do together. Now that might sound like a really simplified version of what you do as a dental hygienist, and there's so much more to what you do, but think about the thorough patient assessment. Consider the patient's perceptions. You spend a lot more time with your patient than the dentist does for the most part. So the dentists are relying on you to provide this information to them and convey it to them so that they can put all the parts together and consider an accurate treatment plan. Think about the patient's perceptions. Identify the human needs that that patient is seeking to fulfill. And it's also important for you to consider the patient's abilities or inabilities during your process of care. It's up to you really to work with the dentist to prioritize the treatment plan, the recare and the maintenance visits that your patients needs in order to complete the process of care and provide an opportunity to improve their health outcomes. 
while they're a patient in your office, you're committed to the commitment of your patient. Now you may be thinking, how is the assessment phase or considering patients' perceptions and their priorities, what does that have to do with the business of dental hygiene? I assure you that this will become crystal clear the more you work with patients and focus your attention on their perceptions and identify what it is your patient is looking for as an outcome. When you're able to recognize your patient's priorities and your patient's considerations, it will help you work your patient through the process of care to a healthy outcome on their terms, meeting their needs in the relationship And that is a win-win situation when you are considering a business relationship. Your patients are your customers and you are there to provide services for them. You want them to feel as though they are part of the process. As you begin your new career as a dental hygienist, let me give you a couple of pointers. Be honest with your team and your dentist on how much time you're going to need in order for you to gain speed and familiarity with your new position. It is okay to say, you know what? I need a little more time. I need some gaps in my schedule so that I can get myself into a really good routine and make some progress and head in the right direction. This is completely okay to ask for, especially the first few weeks as a new hygienist. You do not want to compromise patient care as you are developing your time management skills. So it's really important for you to communicate that with your potential employer. Understand how the practice handles really complex cases. This is a tough one and it takes quite a while to get this down. Consult with a dentist about how and when they recommend referrals and who we make them to. I can't stress enough that if you go through a doctor exam and you have questions that come up based on what you experienced through that exam or what the doctor says to the patients or specific questions that the patient asks, when there is downtime in the schedule and the doctor is available, seek out the dentist and ask them questions about that case. This will really go a long way at helping you develop a really good understanding about how the office runs. What this will really help do is help you gain traction in understanding about what that dentist thinks, what their philosophies are, and how they put patients through treatment. And as you gain experience, you will start to figure these things out easier and easier as you go. You might find that you focus your attention and work on one area and make progress and then have to develop your skills in another areas. It's really important to just keep your lines of communication open with the front desk as well as with the other dental professionals and the dentist as you proceed through the process of developing your new clinical skills. It's really important for you to maximize your intellectual and clinical skills. Now you all have the ability to do research and you all have a scientific background of your dental hygiene theory and practice. You have the clinical skills and you all know your strengths and weaknesses 
Part of getting through dental hygiene school is a lot of reflection and self-discovery. So I can confidently say that about each and every one of you. If you don't read your reflection essays, go back and read them. This will be a really good reminder for you. You have all the skills. You might work in a practice that has a different software, but the foundation is the same. So don't be scared even if they say that they use different softwares that you're unfamiliar with. I promise that you're going to just roll right into it. So don't be afraid of that. And if you're very, um, if you're not very tech savvy, just dive right in. Just confidence. Sometimes you just got to put the self-doubt rock down on the ground and move forward. Okay. If there's a product your patient asks you about, let's just use this as an example. And you don't know what that product is. You have the means to find out. And it is okay to say to your patient, you know what, I'm not really sure about that product, but let me take a look and I'll get back to you. I will tell you this goes a long way because you can respond to a patient at a later time and let them know that you are going to do some research for them and you are gonna find out all that you need to know about that product so that you can give them the proper response. And I will tell you this goes a long way your patients will be so impressed when you reach out to them and show them your commitment to their care. It's okay to just know that you have the foundational skills and that you also know how to find good research and you have the ability to separate good research from bad research and confidently recommend the right products for your patients' individual needs. This will be awesome for you that you can help your patients navigate these questions because I think a lot of you might get a little afraid about what questions your patient might ask and you think that you need to know everything. But I promise you, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know how to find what you don't know. And I can confidently say that when you graduate, you'll all know how to find the information that you need to know to help your patient. Part of being a good leader is having good self-awareness of how you show up in the world, how others perceive you, and how you perceive yourself. So it's really important for you to have maybe a higher level of emotional intelligence. And if this is an area of weakness, that's okay. It's something that you can work towards. Leaders can be developed. And I will say there is uh, an expression that I think is appropriate here. It's put out by Jay Danzi. Your smile is your logo. Your personality is your business card. And the way you make others feel is your trademark. Now keep in mind that your patients are your customers and your teammates and your boss are also your customers. And you fit somewhere in the middle as a healthcare provider providing a service. You are providing a service to patients but you're also providing a service to your teammates and your boss. And if that's something that's helpful for you to manage and look at in that lens, in that way, to help you really work on developing good leadership skills for the role that you're in, whatever works. But those are things that you have to work on if that's not something that just comes natural to you. You're going to find that every office functions just a little bit different out there. But most offices keep track of the productivity and profitability of the dental hygiene department. And you'll find that this is usually separate from the dental department. 
So offices with management know exactly how much money is coming in and how much profitability is coming out of their dental hygiene department. Now, this is a healthcare setting, right? However, we are providing services and meeting the needs of our patients. So the reality is there's an expense side to delivering care. Consider the dental hygiene production. This is not based on just your schedule. There are lots of overhead costs that you need to monitor and consider. Maybe some of the products that you give away to your patients, some of the barriers and functioning components of your operatory, the instruments and all of the barriers that you use and all of the different things, chemicals and needs in order to perform your job. These are things that are closely monitored in a highly effective office. I just want to circle back to uh, some of the management of the dental hygiene program. So in the dental hygiene program within an office, why do you think they would track the amount of treatment recommendations that come out of your room and the number of patients who actually schedule that treatment? It's a clear indication of whether or not your patients are understanding the reasons for the recommendations. And so what I'd like you to do is look at that as an opportunity for you to evaluate your communication style. Because at the end of the day, if a patient is booking their treatment or they're not canceling their appointments, then they are valuing their oral health or their treatment needs as much as you value it for them. Sometimes it takes a long time to create a behavior change or a depth of understanding for our patients. And it's important for you to continually evaluate how you are presenting information to your patient and whether or not they are understanding what you're saying or understanding the reasons for the recommendations. So sometimes it's really important to track that information on the number of treatment recommendations that actually get scheduled because it can tell you a lot about your communication style or your effectiveness on your treatment presentations to patients. And this is really valuable because this helps you meet the needs of your patients by altering some of the ways that you present information. It can really change the outcomes of your patient. While you're in school, you guys are all in charge of finding and scheduling and getting all of your own patients. And that is a super stressful part of the clinical requirements. And I can recognize that that struggle is there. What this helps you recognize is the struggle. So it will help you, I promise. It will help you appreciate the work of the front desk people that they have for keeping your schedule full once you're out in the field. And one of the most difficult things in a practice, when we're looking at the business of dental hygiene, when we're looking at a practice, one of the most difficult things to overcome is cancellations, openings in the schedules, and the worst one, failed appointments. Those are hard to recover. You can't get that time back and they are detrimental to your success as a practice. So it's really important for you as a hygienist to be a big part of the leadership side of the continuing care and recare system that the front desk continually tries to navigate. You are the supportive cheerleader for that front desk. And oftentimes we have patients schedule their appointments for their next visit before they even leave the operatory. 
So they have another appointment on the books. And a lot of offices do this, right? This is one of the key performance indicators of a successfully full practice. And we'll talk more about key performance indicators for dental hygiene in the next episode. There's also mailing systems that some offices use. Some offices will use reminder text messages. There's lots of different softwares that uh, patients will engage with that we try to help give them gentle reminders about their appointments and also make it easier for patients to reschedule if they need to. No matter what the process is uh, or the system that's in place for each particular office based on their needs, the objective is to keep the schedule full, to customize the approach to the treatment that every patient needs in order to allow for our schedule to have the right opportunities for our patients and have the ability to schedule those patients when they need to be seen. This is all about convenience for our patients, right? And it's all about listening to what our patients' needs are. And each practice will customize their scheduling design based on their particular patient population. Some offices track these things, okay? So these are considered key performance indicators. Some offices track the, the number of patients you see in a day, the number of treatment plans that are created that come out of your office in a day, the amount of treatment that is proposed by you as a hygienist versus the amount of treatment that's actually accepted and scheduled. So something for you to be aware of, this, I want you to look at this in a very positive way. This actually helps you to track your communication skills, right? How well are you communicating the needs of your patient? Because if they value the treatment as much as you value the treatment, they're going to book that treatment when they leave. And it's also important for you to make notes as to why the patient didn't book a treatment if they do have a treatment plan on the books that they didn't make a scheduled appointment for to see the doctor. Remember, we are there to help motivate our patients to take an active role in their oral health and to obtain the treatment that we recommend because this pushes them towards their goals of oral health. And this is definitely in your wheelhouse. And the more motivated your patients are and the more committed your patients are to taking on their oral health needs, the more apt they are to come to their appointments, right? So Educating your patients is such a significant component of a solid, stable, continuing care system within your office. So while you will be passing the baton to the front desk in order for them to keep your schedule full, and I know all of you are looking forward to doing that, I want you to see how vital it is and what role you play on having a full schedule. I know one of the biggest concerns that you all have right now is your time management and how fast you are or how not so fast you are. This is what I read when I look at your reflection logs, right? So I promise you, your time management will improve really quickly within the first few weeks of being out into private practice. Just keep that open communication open with your team. They're going to be looking to help you because remember, if you're working in a good office, they are team oriented. So they know what to expect from you as a new grad. You mostly put all of the pressure and limitations on yourself. They know how quickly you will pick up and learn the ropes. There's a lot of questions the first few weeks and just finding out where everything is and what you're doing, right? You know what you're doing. You just need to know where you're doing it, where to find all the things that you need. But once you figure out your own style and you know where everything is, 
you kind of get yourself into a nice little groove. And I promise you, your time management skills will improve a great deal. Keep in mind, every office is just a little bit different. It's really nice if you're in an office with another dental hygienist when you first get out there because they've been where you are right now and they can kind of show you the ropes and speak your language of what instruments that are available or does everybody have their own instruments or do you share instruments? They can kind of show you the ropes, right? They can help you with the processing of instruments and radiographs and what the protocols are for their specific office and they will be a great asset for you. They'll help you navigate kind of the do's and don'ts and the ins and outs of the office. And every office is a little different and there's different practice management models associated with different offices. When you have multiple hygienists, sometimes there's assisted hygiene models, sometimes hygienists have their own schedules, sometimes they share schedules. It's all different. It just matters where you're working. So just be flexible when you first get started and remain flexible for your entire career. That's a huge component of success. If you're not in a private practice setting and you end up getting a position in an alternative setting, please know that the business of dental hygiene is still the same. There are still practice management models that you should follow. If you are an independent practicing dental hygienist, then you're selecting your own model, but the business of dental hygiene is still something that you're closely monitoring. If you're in public health practice, then you know that overhead is very important to consider. And if you're working in a government agency, or if you're conducting research or working in education, or if you become a dental therapist, the business of dental hygiene still has management models in order to maximize your productivity and minimize your overhead so that you can have a better impact on more patients. And I know you've heard this from me before, but lifelong learning is part of being a dental hygienist. There's always free continuing education out there. And I encourage you to continue to be a member of the American Dental Hygienist Association and keep your professional membership when you get out there. There's loads of access to free resources that will help you stay current in your field and there's forums there so you can talk to other dental professionals about situations and recommendations that they have so that this will help you grow. For some students, talking about the business side of dental hygiene can feel uncomfortable or maybe outside of their scope of understanding. I assure you that if you look at the business of dental hygiene as an essential component of patient care, it will really help you to develop as a clinician. Remember that the more efficient you are and keeping an eye on the bottom line and productivity, the more patients you are able to service, the more patients will have access to care by keeping your overhead down and keeping your schedule full and also treating patients with the highest level of care. These are essential functions of a dental hygienist. And if you look at the different aspects of the business of dental hygiene with a keen eye on how to always be moving in an improvement mode where you're better at communicating with not only your patients, but with your team members and you develop your leadership roles I assure you, the business of dental hygiene will just come natural to you over time.
I have to tell you guys from my own personal story that one of the most scariest days was the first day that I worked as a hygienist. I can still remember it. I was in my operatory and I had everything all set up. I had read everything in the chart. I had looked at the radiographs. I had done everything I was supposed to do. And I was like frozen. I didn't want to go out to the reception area to get my patient because I was just like stiff. I was frozen. Like I was just, just filled with anxiety and fear and doubt and all of those things that, you know, I tell you that we have to work on. I have to work on those too. And you just have to take that leap of faith that all of your faculty have been telling you the whole time you've been in school that you can do this. And you just put your shoulders back and you walk out to that area and you meet that patient and you just give it your best. And there's something very different about that first patient than there is with the patients that you have while you're in school. In school, there's this level of I'm in a learning environment, and so I have faculty to support me, and my patients' expectations are that I'm in a learning environment, and there's just something really crazy that happens when you get into that private practice atmosphere, and you have to take that leap of faith and just walk out and get that patient and know that now you're the professional, right? You have the license, and you have the abilities to treat this patient, and this patient is trusting you with their mouths and their bodies and their health. And so there's just this level of, of weight that comes down on you as you propel yourself to the reception area. And just, I want you to, when you cross that threshold and you have that moment in your life, I want you to say like positive thoughts, the entire journey from your operatory out to get that patient of all the reasons why you are capable and you are worthy and you are prepared and you are downright amazing and you deserve to get this patient and do the right things and all the things that you've trained for in that moment. It's one of the scariest moments when you become a hygienist that first time you're going out to get that patient. And I have to tell you, for me, it took at least six months for that feeling to go away. I just felt a huge weight every day when I was going in there and just getting myself into the groove and the, and the mindset of being a professional and being a hygienist that's capable. And, and what if this patient asks me a question and I don't have the answer to it? Or what if the doctor comes in and doesn't think I don't have any idea what I'm doing? I promise you that's all natural and normal feelings. In the next episode, we're going to talk about some of the key performance indicators that offices will typically track and use as part of their practice management and knowing these will help you overcome some of these fears. Honestly, the business of dental hygiene is kind of secondary to your first initial movement into private practice. But you can come back to this episode and listen to it later once you've gotten yourself in the field and you're sitting in an operatory going, I know that um, Professor Lunt said something about key performance indicators and I can't really remember what she was talking about or what they all meant and why we keep track of these things. So I'm gonna go listen to that episode again, now that I've got myself in the field and I'm in an office and I've taken that plunge across the threshold and went out to the reception area and got my first patient. So guys, I can tell you, it's one of the craziest days of your life, that first day in private practice, but it's amazing.
I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast.